This morning, I want to talk about, with it being uh, Independence Week, I thought I would talk about how we need, need to become dependent on God. You know, yeah, as a nation, we're free, right? We're celebrating our, our 241st uh, Independence Day this, this week on Tuesday, and we're going to fry a bunch of stuff. We're going to blow a bunch of stuff up, right? That's what we do in America, right? I was uh, at a cabin last night, and these guys dropped a bunch of money on a bunch of fireworks, and I just got my hearing back, and I had earplugs in, so we had a great time last night. But that's what we do. We celebrate, right? Because we're independent. We're free, right? As a, as a nation, as a country, we're free. And we, we can never forget, you know, how we obtain that freedom either. You know, I want you just to remind you guys quick that a lot of men and women died bravely uh, to make sure that we could you know, grill up stuff and blow up stuff this week. So just want to just put that in front of you too. So, um, but like I said, this summer, you know, it's a 4th of July. It's a summer celebration with food, family, and fireworks. And we recognize that independence and we celebrate in American fashion. Um, this morning we're going to be in Matthew, uh, Matthew 18. So if you want to open your Bibles, otherwise I'll have it on the screen and Todd will keep up with us as we, uh, as we uh, go along here. So uh, Matthew 18, 1 through 5. Uh, it talks about um, Jesus is talking to, to some kids here. And uh, it says, at, at, the time, uh, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest uh, in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless... You are converted and become as, a, as little children. You will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives uh, one, li- one little ch- child like this in my name receives me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that we need to be dependent on you and that you've given us that freedom to choose you. And I pray that that's where our hearts bend is this morning. And as we celebrate uh, the 4th of July this week and we're camping, we're boating, we're around campfires and, and doing all kinds of fun stuff, Lord, that we, I pray that you would put on our hearts and remind us of all that you've done for us, Lord. Just keep us safe this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, in this passage, I believe Jesus is calling us to a, to a deeper dependence in him. I know this passage a lot of times will... We'll think of like a childlike faith and, you know, and all of that's tied into it. But I believe truly um, God is using a child. He brought a child before him and said, we need to be like this little guy. We need to be, you know, dependent like like a child is dependent on a parent. We need to be dependent on God. And, and I, I really believe that's that's what he's, he's trying to say here. Um, we need to get a place. We need to get to a place in our relationship with God where we are totally dependent on him. Just like a little child is completely dependent on their parents. We need to be dependent on God. Uh, Friday night, I went to a, a family friend's house. We, we watched a movie, and they have a couple little boys. And one of the little boys in the middle of the movie came upstairs in the living room, and he had a bottle of water. You know, he's like, Daddy, Daddy. We paused the movie, and Dad knew exactly what to do. What did he do? He opened the water for him, right? Because when you're four years old, it's physically impossible to open a bottle of water, right? 
Even my son struggles that with that at nine, right? And that's, that's what we do as parents, as grandparents. We, we help our, our kids through this kind of stuff. They're, and they're hoping that we, we will. They're dependent on us, right? My kids are dependent on my income and the way that you know, we raise our kids. They need, they need everything from us right now. Now, my 13-year-old would argue at that point, right? But they do. They need everything from us, and, and we're the same. And I want you guys to just imagine yourself as we go through this sermon this morning. You're like that little kid. We need to be like that little kid in the eyes of God. Like, you know, and just think of us as an adult. You know, we're, we're, we're fumbling through life, and, oh, I can handle this, I can handle that. And God's sitting there just like, just give me the bottle. Let me open it up. You know, what are you trying to do? You can't. Have you ever had a child try to do something where it's like, you know, this is impossible. You know, you can't. Let me, let me just help you. Let me step in and help you. You know, and that's, that's, this, that's the crux of this morning's message. is just talking about becoming dependent on God. Uh, in, our cult, in our culture uh, where we live, it's easy to lose our dependency on God. We live in a world that encourages independence. And we forget where we came from. You know, we forget where we came from. And we live in a world that completely distracts us and, and, and we get sidetracked. Like we talked about last week, we, we lose our way. We we're ended up, you know, we're, we're walking down a path and we, we finally stop and say, what, how did I get here? You know, and that, that the culture, it's easy to do that. We become, uh, you know, everybody, you know, you don't need anybody. You don't, you're, you're your own person. You don't, you don't need God. You don't need, we got everything you need. And, and really, uh, our world is convenient, right? I, I pay us, I think, sixteen dollars a month for uh, Apple Music, and I just whatever song I want, I've I've got it like that. If I want something to eat, I just throw something in the microwave. If I if I want groceries, I can call, and I think we're starting even on the Iron Range. We're getting to a place where they will deliver our groceries. You know how convenient is that? How awesome is that, right? But a lot of times we. That can be a, it can be a crutch. And, and we become dependent on the things around us instead of dependent on God. And that's where it can get kind of dangerous. That's where it can get kind of, you know, slippery. Um, and I, <clears throat> we, what are some things we become dependent on? We become dependent on, on our careers. We become dependent on our bank accounts, right? We become dependent on our education, you know? We become dependent on our athletic abilities, on our appearances, how we look, you know, and um, we become dependent on others. Instead of being dependent on God, uh, you know, we're using our own, the way God has made us to drive us farther away from God, you know. And what I'm telling you this morning is just because your bank account is full of cash and your career is sailing away and, and, and heading in the right trajectory, and, uh, you know, your kids are awesome and you're very athletic. You don't rely on and don't depend on these abilities. You know, God gave you all these abilities, all these gifts, all these talents to, to further his kingdom. Right? Um, right on. Depending on God is basic to the Christian life. We trust in or depend on uh, God for salvation. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
Uh, we depend on God for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if, you lack, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives with all uh, liberally, gives to all liberally uh, without reproach, and it will be given to him. In fact, we depend on God for everything and in everything. Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6, we read this scripture last Sunday as well. It says, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So, and then uh, the psalmist teaches the Lord's reliability in, in the threefold uh, description. It basically, I'll just sum it up. I don't have it on the screen. It's, it's in Psalms 18, 2. It says, the Lord is my rock. My fortress, my deliverer. And, and we, you know, we got to remember that. We need to trust in God. And, and honestly, you know, it, I, I, I Facebook a lot. And that's why I'm so excited about what our church is doing on Facebook and the impact. And then the last week I'm like, wait a minute. Am I friends with our church yet? Am I following? Am I doing this right? And uh but on Facebook, there's these videos, right? And you can, I don't know if, about you guys, but I'm guilty of, I'll watch one video. If it's a, my rule is if it's a minute or less, I'll check it out. If it's two or, nobody's, if it's two or three minutes, I don't got time for that. But if it's 41 seconds or a minute, I'll watch it. And I watch these videos and these guys are, I mean, just all, it's, it's just a, a plethora, a gamut of, of people showing off their talents or, uh, you know, you know, you know. I, the funny ones are where they get hurt or something. Where it's like funny America's funniest home videos, where they, it's just like a minute of people like slipping or falling or tripping. But the ones that I want to highlight are just the amazing ability of these people. You know, whether they're flipping a bottle on a table, which gets annoying, or, or um, I watched a video a uh, couple days ago. This guy on a jet ski hit a wave and like flipped it like flipped his jet ski in the air two or three times and landed. It was just sweet. And I mean, what I'm trying to say is, <clears throat> you guys are awesome. And you guys have talents and abilities and, and giftings from God that, that nobody else has. And a lot of us are, are highlighting that on Facebook. We're recording it. You know, ABR, always be recording. I tell that to my wife. Anytime we're together, you should be recording this. Why are you not recording? You know, teasing her. But you guys are tremendously gifted, tremendously talented. No, God is, there is no one in the world like you. And he's made you and, and fashioned you in a certain perfect way. And he's given you all of this to, to live for him, to become dependent on him. And it's kind of weird to think about, like, all the things that God has done for us and, and and what he's the abilities that that he's given us to, to use it for him because a lot of times that becomes we become self-centered with that fact i don't need god because i don't need money because i make my money this is my job this is my money this is my life these are my kids no it's all god's the very breath that you're taking right now is a gift from god amen and we have to recognize that and a lot of times uh as i'm traveling i don't really know exactly where i'm going so i'll I'll boot up that that uh, map app that I have on my phone, and a lot of times the car in the phone, you know, as I start it, it'll get. I have to hit recenter once in a while on that app because I'm way up in this corner and I kind of want to see what's coming ahead. 
So I, I hit that recent recenter button, right? You guys know what I'm talking about on that app? A lot of you look confused, but that's all right. I'm, I confuse people. But you know, and that's what this message is about. You need to hit that recenter button. And I just want to remind you guys this morning of, of, of God's place in your life. He's number one, he, you know, and we need to become dependent on God like a child is dependent on their parents. Depending on God alone does not mean that we act foolishly. Uh, Jesus did not jump off the pinnacle of the temple to prove uh, that he depended on God. Uh, there's a difference between trusting God and putting God to the test. Depending on God alone doesn't mean we dispense with God's gifts. For example, uh, the person who with strep throat may refuse to go to the doctor saying hoarsely, I'm going to depend on God alone to heal me. Or a person driving a car may close uh, her eyes and, and release the steering wheel saying, I am going to depend on God alone to drive me home. Watch, we could, let's, should we try that as we leave church this morning? Should we just say, Jesus, take the wheel and close our eyes and let go of the wheel? No, we don't. God's, you know, like I've been saying, he's given us an ability. He's, he's, he's you know, people are, they go to school. There's doctors that go to school for like, a third of their life, just to completely dedicated their, their life on schooling and educating and learning the human body and healing and methods. And I'm going to just Google something online and, and do this or that. No, utilize the gifts that God has given other people. Amen? And, and utilize that. Um, these actions would be foolish, right? We wouldn't let go of a, a, a steering wheel. We wouldn't, you know, we, if you've got insurance and you, you, you know, and you're sick, go to see a doctor. They want to heal. They want to help. Get to help you, you know. Um, uh, yeah, God's provided us with doctors and medicine to heal us. He has given us the wits to steal a, steer a car. Not steal a car, steer a car. Um, we can still depend on God uh, as we visit a doctor, knowing that all healing ultimately comes from God. Uh, and we can still depend on God as we drive, knowing that all the safety uh, ultimately comes from God. You know, I, I think about that all the time when I, I would go on a missions trip and the whole thing, the whole time was safety, 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 safety. Lord, keep us safe, keep us safe. You know what? Maybe safety isn't on God's top thing for us. You know, there's a, we're on a missions trip. God, what do you want? You know, a lot of times we get, we get, because we get caught up. You know, people, there's a lot of people in this world that aren't following God or don't believe in God because they see what God has allowed, you know? And they've got this tunnel vision saying, how can there be a God because such and such happened in my life that is a loving God would never allow that, you know? And we, see, we look at it, life in a snapshot and God looks at life in a film strip. He sees the, you know, the Bible says that he's the beginning and the end. He knows our thoughts before we think it. He, you know what I'm saying? He's in control and we can't get caught up in like this one little minute things. It's like a, a better prayer would probably be, Lord, your will be done. And I'm here to serve you and I want to live and love, love you, God. What can I do to serve you uh, today? <clears throat> There's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Josiah. And I was, I was reminded of this story in, uh, in Dave's Bible study class a couple weeks ago. He talked about him. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you're not coming to a Bible study here, 
get here a little bit earlier and, and tap into what's going on here. Because what these Bible studies do for me, and I'll just talk about me. What they do for me is they whet my appetite for what God's going to do in the main service. Same with worship. Get here early. Get a good seat so you can, you know, enter into worship with God. But these Bible studies in God's word and just fellowshipping with one another and, and just bouncing stuff off each other and looking into God's word and God's scripture, it whets my appetite. It gives me a hunger for more, right? It primes the pump for what is happening here and now. You know what I'm saying? It's like we're stretching, right? Believe it or not, I used to run. I know, funny, right? But I used to be a really good runner when I was young. I could run long distances, uh, you know, for a very far... <laughs> But we used to, before we ran any kind of distance, we would stretch. We would stretch. And I would, I would write the ABCs on my ankle. I would write it out so I wouldn't get cramps in my calf as I'm running my three mile. And, uh, but that's what these Bible studies are like before church, before the sermon. We're just kind of stretching, right? We're getting ready for what God's doing. And I just want to encourage you, just get out of bed a little bit earlier. It's not that, and, and you'll, you'll thank me later. And I, I think, I'm talking to my wife here too, amen, Ange? Right. My wife dreams about sleeping. She loves to sleep. And uh, I just, yeah, so we're not perfect. I mean, but we, you know, miss, I work shift work, so I can only get here every other week. So it's one of them things where if you can, just be a part of it. But getting back to uh, the message, there's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Josiah. King Josiah was uh, Ju- Judah's last gasp. Um, the last good thing uh, that happened to is the, the Israelites before the kingdom, their kingdom was destroyed. Josiah became king at, at eight years old. Crazy, right? At eight years old, his dad was assassinated. And it's like, you're the next heir to the throne. You're king now. You're eight. My son's nine. Think of that. He was standing next to me in worship. And I'm eight years old. And you're, you're the king of Judea. Um, early... In his life, he instituted reforms and took steps against idol worship. At 25 years of age, Josiah decided to rebuild the Lord's temple, deteriorated with age. As workers were cleaning, they found an obscure book that no one had ever heard of, the Bible, forgotten by previous generations. As the king listened to the secretary read the Bible, he was, inst- he was struck with grief and terror Certain the Lord was furious with Josiah and his people for their disobedience. Immediately, Josiah set upon a sweeping program to eliminate pagan worship and renew the ancient covenant of the Lord. He toured the land, destroying pagan shrines and, and celebrated the Passover for the first time in decades. So that he, just this guy, he's, he's become king. And God puts on his heart to, to rebuild the temple. And as they're remodeling and cleaning this temple, they, they find a Bible. And, and, and all of a sudden, the secretary reads this Bible to Josiah, and he tears his clothes off. And back then, that was what you did. You just, you were like, in, in mourning, he was like fearful. He was in terror because he's worried about, about what, you know, if, if what I just heard is true and God is real, Lord help me. And he just, you know, they, back then they would throw ash on their head. They would wear sackcloth. They would just become low. It was like a, 
like a, a media of median of of just lowness, like and 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 forgiveness. Um, the re the revival was wonderful, but as soon as Josiah died, the people returned to their evil ways, and before his sons reached middle age, the Lord's judgment for centuries of evil practice. Uh, came and, and Judea was no more. So basically, Josiah, he, he heard the, God's words. He started implementing God's truth and, and, and what he read and what he heard. And he started going across the country, burning uh, idols and tearing down temples and destroying things and getting back to the basics of, of God and, 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 and why this actual temple is here. And, and he, he restored the, the Passover. And he actually donated from his farm, from his kingdom, he donated, I believe, 33,000 uh, uh, goats for that, for that Passover sacrifice that first year. So he was game on. He, was, he had skin in the game, right? He's like, I, I want to be, I want, I want this. I wanna, we need to get back to this. And, and, and basically, Josiah hit that recenter button, right? He heard God's word, and it changed his life. And he implemented it in his life. And, and everybody around him was affected by it. And what happened back then is, I probably should have read a little bit more of the backstory. But what happens is these kings, they would marry these, these, these women from other foreign lands. And these women from these foreign lands were bringing in their traditions, their gods, their rituals, right? I think that's kind of, this, uh, kind of what happens. And then over decades of that, God becomes a, a book in a corner of a big building with dust on it, you know? And the same thing can happen in our culture, right? We get caught up in our music, we get caught up in the movies, our entertainment, our, you know, what we're watching online, what we're looking at. And the next thing you know, our Bible is on the bookshelf with dust on it, right? I've been guilty of that. That's why I can stand up here. I'm not perfect. And like I said, the tithing thing is... That's why I can share that, because it's the only thing I've really tried to really, you know. The other areas have failed epically, uh, and I'm not perfect. And there's been months in my life where God's word needed to be dusted off, because it was neglected for a while. Um, in 2 Kings 23, uh, 2 and 3, it says, The king, this is after... Uh, he found the book in, in, the, in the temple. It says, The king went up to the house of the Lord with the men of Judah and with all the inhabitants uh, of, of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in the hearing of all the word of all, and he read in the hearing of all the, the words of the book of the covenant which he ha had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood by a pillar and he made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. You know, he, Josiah, he, not only did he, he live it in his life, but he, he, he said, this is how we're going to do it now. Can you guys hear me okay sometimes? I feel like I've got to raise this thing up or something. But 
he said, you know, uh, let me just read verse 3 again. The king stood by a pillar. Just think of that. He became a pillar to that nation, to that, to Judea. He, he became a pillar in that moment uh, and made a covenant before God to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes. How? With all his heart and with all his soul. And that's what we, we need to use King Josiah in the, God's word as an example of how we need to be living our lives. We need to keep his commandments and his testimonies and everything he's doing in our lives. And we need to start following God with all our hearts and all our soul. So in closing, uh, as followers of Christ, we need to be like King Josiah. We need to rekindle our passion for God's word and worship him with all our heart. We need to destroy any idols in our lives that we've become dependent on and rebuild the temple of God within ourselves. You know, uh, the Bible says that, that we are the temple of God, right? And everything that we allow in our lives, we basically allow in the temple of God. So think about that next time we drop that CD in or put that DVD in or have that conversation or laugh at that joke or whatever it might be. Just remember that, that you know, if you gave your life to Christ, you, you, we need to start living for him and, and, and the, the statutes and the promises and the covenants that, that God's word says we need to be like that. You know, Jesus has set you free from sin and addiction and, and all this stuff. And we can't, we can't use that freedom to draw us farther away from God. We need to use that freedom that Jesus gave us by dying on the cross to draw us closer to him. Amen. But a lot of times we take that for granted. Oh God, he'll, he's, God will forgive me for that. And he will. But we need to be careful with that. Because there's, that's a dangerous uh, cycle that you, you know, that, that I, I've, been, I've been guilty of that myself. But just remember that, you know, if you're here this morning and you gave your life to Christ and you're living for, for Christ and you find yourself and distracted by the things of this world, we need to hit that recenter button. And, and I got a quick little story here about my brother Eric. He's not here right now, so I can pick on him. Um, way back in 1999, before the Y2 craze hit, remember that? I don't know what exactly what was going to happen, but the computers were going to cycle and then zero, everything was going to zero out. We'd lose power, water, you know, we we're going to have to live on the land. And I was 100% into this, like, this is going to happen, you know, <laughs> buy guns, buy bullets, get gas and water. And, you know, thank God it didn't happen. But I remember my brother, my brother Eric, he destroyed a huge part of his music collection. He started a fire at a friend's cabin, the same place where I saw the fireworks last night. He started, we started, we had a fire. It was summertime, we're at the lake, there's a fire there. And something happened in my brother's life where he just got serious about God. And he came to the realization that there's a lot of things in, in his life that needed to go. And I remember him specifically. He had a cardboard box of hundreds of CDs that he burnt that night because it was music that wasn't glorifying God. 
And it was music that, was, that he would listen to over and over again. And eventually, he found himself saying the words and acting like the stuff he was listening to. And, and, and it just, it wasn't drawing him closer to God. It was, he was drifting farther away. And he made a stand that day. And he said, you know what? No more. I'm done. And he pulled a Josiah, we'll call it. And he, he burnt it. I mean, thousands of dollars. Remember CDs, right? They're just about extinct, right? I remember tapes. That's, I'm dating myself there. But I remember riding my bike from Chisholm to the mall in Hibbing and buying, Lord help me, a Def Leppard tape. And it came in this big case. You guys remember that? It was like this plastic. Per- so I've been, I'm guilty of it too. You know, I'm not perfect. But, um, but. You know where I'm coming from? You know what I'm getting at? He, he, was, he recognized something in his life that had to go. It wasn't glorifying God. And he said, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm done with this specific area in my life. I'm going to decide to take a stand. I'm going to burn this stuff. I'm going to be done with it. And, and I don't know where he's at now. I'm sure he's, he's where he's at. You know, that's between him and God. And, but I just, it, it hit me. And I thought, this, this is a perfect story for this morning's message. And, and that's what, you know, so I'm going to just challenge you guys. Where are you at? Is there anything in your life that's, that might need to go, you know? And I just want you guys to take inventory this morning. I don't mean to make you feel bad or feel guilty, but I just want to be brave enough to just say, hey, you know, maybe you're into something that you shouldn't be into and, and dabbling with things that are drawing you farther away from God. You need to, you need to get rid of that stuff. You know, what if King Josiah showed up at your door? What if he just knocked on your door? King Josiah, just this ancient dude in this Jewish garb, and just knocked on your door, and he's like, hey, I want to take a look around. I want to take a look. I want to look into your bedroom. I do that to my daughter sometimes. It drives her nuts. You know, I don't, I want to look at your phone. I want to look at your, in your drawers. I want to get into your life. You know, I, I used to say when I was working with youth, I said, if, if the police showed up at your door, could they prove by what they see that you're a Christian, that you're a follower of God? Is there evidence in your life that you, that you love Jesus? You know? And, and all of us should say guilty. Guilty. Because of the stuff on our, the, the, the TV shows saved on our, on our on demand, you know, and, the, and the, our movie collection, our CD collection, our, our, our book collection, our, our, you know, the history on our computers, right? If, if, if anybody would look at my phone or your phone and just Googled the history and got through, like you had like AT&T uh, kiosk access or something, you know, where you could go deep, do a deep dive on your phone, the online imaging, you know, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's tobacco, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's your thought life, you know, uh, our entertainment, the music we listen to, whatever it might be. Just take an inventory this morning. Just take a good look deep into your life. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I just want to encourage you to, <clears throat> the Bible says, to cast off all the sin and the things that are weighing you down, you know. And uh, there's one last scripture I want to read before uh, we pray. 
It's in Philippians 4, 8 and 9. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So you get, not only do you get rid of things in your life that aren't of God, but you add stuff to it. And the things that are pure and holy and good, those are what we're called to reflect on. Those are the things, you know. A lot of times I'm guilty of watching Facebook videos of people fighting each other. That's not good. That's not noble. That's not a good report. But I'm drawn to it. I don't know why. It's something in me. I like to see people fight violence. I don't know. We, people pay $169 for a pay-per-view fight for a two-round, you know, knockout or something. You know, we love that stuff, that Coliseum stuff. We're guilty of that. But just take inventory this morning and just imagine well, as you walk into your room, as you walk through your life and, and, and everything in it, just is this of God? Is this drawing people closer to the Lord? And I'll have, uh, Don, you want to come back up and strum your guitar a little bit as we close in prayer? Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, Pat, you know, Johnny, he's been, he's been reading my mail. Because I feel super guilty about this relationship or I feel super guilty about this movie that I watched or this CD that I just downloaded or whatever it might be. If you're here today, uh, we serve a God that loves you and that is crazy about you. And, uh, and if you want prayer, uh, Pastor Micah and Laura will stand up and they'll pray for you. Uh, and, and, and we can get rid of this stuff. And we can begin new. And we, can, we can make a change. Amen? So if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what? It, it's time. He, he, he hit me right on the head. He hit me square in the face with this message this morning. And when I'm done praying, guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Pastor Micah to pray for some things in my life that need to go. Just because I'm up here doesn't mean I'm perfect. I sin too, you know? And it's, it's, it's just one of those things that we battle because we're, we're alive and we live in a world that's very tempting and a lot of stuff going on. But... So if you're here today, can you guys stand? The Micahs are here. These pastors have dedicated their life to God and, and they're real and they want to they pray with you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord. Thank you that you came to this earth and you died on the cross. I thank you for the people that are here. Lord, if there's anybody here that's got some stuff in their life and they're just, they, they need to get rid of it, Lord, I pray that they would just make that decision. But just between them and you, God, I don't know. But I'm sorry, Lord, for the sin in my life. And I just think sometimes if you look down and you're like, what the heck is he doing right now? Lord, I just pray that you would just draw us closer to you. And I thank you, God, that you love us and you 